Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Cindy Croft, Executive Director, and I'm here with my Assistant Director, Priscilla Weigel. Hi, Priscilla. Hi, Cindy. Good to be here. And I'm hoping that our listeners were able to listen to part one of this podcast on the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about what the law entails as it pertains to child care programs. And and maybe people had a little bit of time to go to the ADA.gov and and look around a little bit. Actually, interesting on that website are a lot of settlements that have been made, and the ADA of the government website posts them. And so it's interesting to read what programs have done, what they have settled with parents around, and it's very informative, Mm -hmm. especially as people are writing their policies and trying to figure out, you know, what they need to make sure their staff knows and and to to be in compliant with this um, huge civil rights law. Yeah, I think that's a great reminder. So we thought we would talk to people today just a little bit about, um, you know, what what is sort of the the idea behind the ADA? Some people call it the attitudes about disabilities law, and it really is as much about um, how we how we approach families and children with disabilities as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's civil rights protection. It's about access and participation. Uh, for children, Mm -hmm. but it's also about how do we see children with and without disabilities in our early childhood programs. Mm -hmm. You know, do we see children as equally participating, as they're being access to all of our um, resources for children? Uh, Do we think about uh, having less teacher-directed um, interventions in play with all children, um, or you know how? What is our approach for children? Mm-hmm. And so, so we're going to talk a little bit today about um, what how the ADA really is about attitudes around children who may have a disability as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it is helpful to to use this as a tool when you're just thinking about. What kind of experience are you going to provide for all children, regardless of what their needs are, whether they have a diagnosis or not? Every child just wants to have fun, Mm -hmm. wants to be loved, wants to be a part of a community and learn and explore. And so how can we help providers set themselves up for success in that realm? Mm -hmm. Great. So one thing to think about when you are thinking about the Americans with Disabilities Act and your child care program is to consider the phrase um, reasonable accommodation. And this is a phrase that is used when describing the ADA. And it really means, you know, it, 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 it makes it more equitable for whatever kind of program you have. So a reasonable accommodation for a program that is a standalone uh, one program with, with maybe just a few staff, mm-hmm. um, that the accommodations they would be required to make would be very different from a program that has, you know, a, a national uh, presence with, you know, several hundred 
sites mm-hmm. and a very different kind of budget. Mm-hmm. So reasonable accommodation is that term that really just means um, sometimes people refer to it as cheap and easy, mm-hmm. um, but it's what what works for your program and makes sense to your bottom line. Because again, the government isn't trying to put somebody out of business. Mm-mm. They just want people to do the right thing by children and families. Right. Good good point and great distinction because I think too oftentimes in this conversation people get very upset and worried not necessarily mm-hmm. I mean, not upset but just worried about oh I'm gonna have to build all these new things to, for accessibility and and that's not mm-hmm. I mean you've just you've just shared that that's not the case there mm-hmm. are there are things that yes reasonably you can provide mm-hmm. for success for children and families in your care but the big stuff mm-hmm is going to be case by case. So for instance, people, people, in our experience, people tend to jump to a worst case mm-hmm. uh, when they hear maybe a child's going to be enrolled and the parent says, well, my child has uh, XYZ disability. And then sometimes we're human uh, and we tend to think, oh no, it's going to mean this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And so typically the accommodations for children with disabilities are not as much as somebody might think. Right. When you contextualize it with what you do every day for right. every child's learning needs, you know, some kids come in some days and they are grumpy because they've had a cold for a week and they have different needs. Mm-hmm. Some kids come to us and their parents are getting divorced and and uh, they, they have different kinds of needs. Mm-hmm. Maybe a child is in our program and they are experiencing homelessness and that's a whole different level of need. So we, we're used to doing that whole meeting children's learning and social emotional needs day by day by day. Yeah. So if you can take that and then also use that approach to a child with a disability, knowing that that disability is unique to that child. Until you know that child, mm-hmm. you really don't know what kind of impact that disability is. Right. Then I think we're more comfortable with that reasonable accommodation. Mm-hmm. Very good point. So for instance, you know, so we often think, oh, so many children need one-on-one paracare. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not very usual that somebody would need one-on-one care. And again, um, if a child did come to your program and they honestly did need uh, actual one-on-one attendant, a reasonable accommodation for a family child care program would be very different than, a, again, a program that has a corporate budget mm-hmm. of several million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how that would be seen. Mm-hmm. But again, for people who are listening, you know, we hear this so often. The um, the one-on-one para that that's that's so not a usual thing. Right. Most right. of the kids with disabilities, they they need adaptations that we're making for other Every kids. Child. Yeah. Ongoing. Right. Right. And we hope our programs are already set up in a way that we wouldn't have to make a lot of tweaking, right? True, yes. And I think going back to just even what you were saying earlier about the fact that it might depend on that child's need on a given day, Mm -hmm. the kind of care and support that they're going to require. And in multi-age classrooms, which are evident every place you go every day, you're dealing with all these different levels of learning needs. And Mm -hmm. so if a child does have a diagnosis that is based on cognitive abilities, you're already providing a wide range of 
educational opportunities, ways for children to explore who learn this way, that way, the other way. So to adapt and change things, you really don't have to in most cases mm -hmm. because you're already providing multi-age care. Exactly. And so let's let's give people a few strategies here who who want to enroll a child and, and do the best they can and make mm -hmm. reasonable accommodations. Um, so let's see if we can help out a little bit with a couple of strategies for people. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the first thing is to have great communication with the family. Great. To let that family know that your, your goal would be to provide quality care. That's why they sought you out as a provider. So what do they see as their child's strengths? What do they see as the things that their child might need on a given day? Which you would ask those questions of any other parent in your care that would be accessing your care. So you need information, you need to build that communication bridge between the families that you're serving because they're going to be your best expert in mm -hmm. what that child needs and learns and how that child learns. And there's such a great source for uh, brainstorming. Yeah. So I know often we think, oh, how are we going to solve this problem? Well, don't solve it all on your own. Yeah. You have this wonderful resource. Maybe mm -hmm. they figured it out somewhere, or maybe if we just sit down with them and start thinking, thinking them through. Yeah. Yes, they're like, oh, you know what? I think we could do it this way. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and then before you know it, you've come up with a reasonable accommodation right. for that child's needs. Yeah. And it's, it's often, you take the mystery out of things and you're like, oh, yeah, I do this every day. I do this every day. And, and odds are you do. We're not minimizing either no. the needs of children, uh, any any child, children who have trauma-informed behaviors, mm -hmm. children who are just typically developing and are going through a, a rough time based mm -hmm. on whatever is going on in their life at that time, or kids with an assessed disability. We don't minimize what their needs are, but that's why early childhood professionals are professionals. That's true. And oftentimes we're the really great, greatly equipped to provide the care in an inclusive manner because mm -hmm. we're already doing it mm -hmm. in so many ways. We provide sensory experiences every day. That's what we should be doing. Well, that's going to meet a child's unique sensory needs that might have, it might be a child on the autism spectrum that, and the family might share with you, boy, you know what, he really needs a lot of sensory experiences. Well, guess what? We already provide that. We don't have to adapt because exactly. we're already providing 60 to 90 minutes interjections of options for that, for the group. And so mm -hmm. now he can just join in. Um, you know, just motor-wise, motor fine motor-wise, um, social-emotional supports. How do you help a child include, be included in play that might be struggling with some play things? Well, you're going to be thinking about that as a general rule because you're an early childhood professional, but this one child, you might know, oh, they have a particular affinity to a type of toy um, and a particular area in your setting that really is calming to them. You're going to take all that into consideration and you're going to build them this successful day, and that's really what professionals do. They look at transitions. They look at planning ahead for those things that might be triggers mm -hmm. for some challenging behavior, setting up kids for success. And so the more you think about it proactively instead of reactively, mm -hmm. the more success you're going to see. Excellent. That's a great. Those are great points. And you, you're talking also about the environment. Mm -hmm. And I know that if we look at the environment, if we've set it up, with developmentally appropriate practice in mind. Mm -hmm. Again, hopefully 
some of what we have to do as a reasonable accommodation may be just tweaking. Right. You know, are we using clear plastic bins? Are they clearly labeled? Mm -hmm. So access is easy, pickup is easier, children know where things go, children can go find things without having to ask an adult to help them. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've got wide enough aisles where children can move but not too wide where they are running. Mm -hmm. um, natural barriers so that kids have spaces where they feel comfortable and, and small groups can work together. I mean, that how we look at our physical environment, that's one of our best tools mm -hmm. for successful inclusion, even before we have children who may be enrolled who have a disability. Right. right. And maybe for our last strategy, you could tell people, do a little bit of a uh, pitch for the CICC coaching. Definitely. Yes, uh, we do have free on-site coaching for infant toddler health and safety and inclusion and all of our coaches are really well versed in child development and inclusion and that whole idea of creating that successful environment building in those strategies they're there to partner with you as a provider so that you don't have to feel like you're doing it all on your own if you feel that you really have that goal of, yes, I want to provide care, but I don't know where to start. Contact us. Come mm -hmm. through our website at our info at um, Ask an Expert, any of the inclusivechildcare.org. All of it is available. All the information is available there, and you can also access one of us as well, too. And just give us a call because, yeah. truly, we're here to support you. Yeah. And now that's specific to Minnesota. Yes, sorry. And so that is certainly something we have here. But if you're, you know, work, if you're able to work within your state, uh, perhaps your child care resource and referral system or your quality um, initiative system or in some way your quality rating system or, you know, contact us if, if there's a point where we could be of some help. Um, we would certainly be glad to talk with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Priscilla. Thanks, Cindy. I think this has been helpful. Yes, I do too. That's all for now.